Welcome to the Agile Strategy Lab podcast, where we explore what it means to view your organization, your company, or your community through the lens of agility to create a strategy that works in a rapidly changing world. I'm Liz Nilsson, the Associate Director of the Lab at the University of North Alabama. Today's episode is number 25. The days of innovation that happen solely within the walls of a single organization are long over. That would be bad news for, say, Henry Ford if he reappeared on the corporate scene in 2021. Ford was intent on making sure that every facet of his innovation process was under his control within Ford Motor Company. So intent, for example, that he established Fordlandia, a rubber plantation in the Amazon rainforest with thousands of Brazilian workers in a custom-made American-style town so that Ford would not be dependent on any other company for its rubber. It didn't work. It was doomed by cultural and political issues, and eventually, synthetic rubber made the idea irrelevant. But he remained fixated on the idea of a hierarchical command and control structure for the company. No more. Innovation in the 21st century happens in networks, and those networks are often centered in a particular community or a region as clusters. One way or another, the lab's work is all about networks and how to mobilize and grow them. Most of us have at least some sense when the work that we're doing is engaging an increasing number of people and organizations, when our networks are expanding. Social network analysis is a more precise way to measure that growth. In this episode, drawn from a recent online discussion, we hear from Scott Dempwolf of the University of Maryland. Scott came to academia from economic development, and his focus is on applying the mathematical models of social network analysis to the innovation process. We'll start with Scott describing some of the basic concepts behind social network analysis. My focus is on um, innovation and entrepreneurial ecosystems, and modeling those and uh, and trying to come up with new uh, metrics and methods for analyzing uh, uh, these ecosystems. And so um, just a couple of things there, uh, these ecosystems consist of many networks of agents. Agents are people, organizations, uh, institutions, government, so forth. Um, And these agents are involved in innovation or entrepreneurial processes. and I'll talk about those in just a minute. And they do this within loosely bounded spatial environments. Okay, so um, often we, when we do analyses, we'll do them for a county or a state or a city. Um, and uh, so there, there is a part of the ecosystem that is focused on the environment. Um, the processes that they're involved in are made up of uh, sequences of discrete projects. You know, we, we, we advance innovation and entrepreneurial uh, processes by doing projects. And what links them together is the knowledge flow, the ideas that we have that, uh, uh, that come out of one project and flow into the next. Um, and uh, what that means is that the uh, these systems uh, or these 
ecosystems behave um, as complex adaptive systems. And, uh, and that means that it, they give rise to um, properties such as emergence and self-organization. A few things to know about uh, these ecosystems and networks. Um, they're, they're focused on three things. Structure, which is the networks of agents, um, uh, also known as actors, um, processes. And there are two processes that, that we look at. One is the, the productive process. So, you know, getting, getting from research to a new product in the marketplace. We're producing that new product. We're producing uh, inventions and, and companies and, and so forth. Um, it's a productive process. And then the other one is more of a reproductive process. So it, it's all about what's, what's your next project? So all of you are engaged in, in projects. It's the work that we do. And, you know, but you're in the back of your mind, you know, you're thinking, what's the next project? What am I going to do next after this? And who do I need to talk to about that? And how do I line up the resources? And, um, and who do I need to be uh, engaged with in that next project? And that is a, that's, it's reproductive in the sense that it, it's, produce, it's reproducing projects that become part of our uh, uh, innovation process. And then finally, the environment, or uh, it's also called factors or framework conditions. This is the physical environment, the institutional environment, the uh, cultural, and so forth. And, um, uh, and we're, we're able to analyze those two. A couple key ideas here. The networks are the structure of the ecosystem. It, it's not something extra. It's, it's not a way to think about the structure of the ecosystem. It, the networks are the structure. Um, all the resources that we need for projects flow through the network. Think about it. You, you think about your next project. Where are you going to get the money for it? Where are you going to get the, the talent? Um, do you just walk into the office or, you know, your living room or wherever we're working now, and it, it's sitting there on the desk for you from sources unknown? No. You've, you've got to have the connection to the agent that has the resource that you need. So you're, you make that connection and you talk about it and you negotiate. You know, if you need people, you, 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 you hire them. Um, nothing flows, nothing arrives in the project except through the network. These projects that we do that become the, the innovation or entrepreneurial processes, uh, they, knew, they use knowledge inputs and they produce knowledge outputs. Now that knowledge output might be a product, but it, it has embedded knowledge in it. Uh, there are two types of knowledge that we usually think about. Codified knowledge, which is the things that are embedded in the, in the products that we develop or the papers that we write. And tacit knowledge, which is what's embedded in people, we often think of as talent. Now, when the projects end, the relationships remain. So what happens is those relationships form what I call a residual network. It's residual after the end of the project. And you know, when you add all that up, it becomes that ecosystem network that we, the background network. And you know, those relationships that are there in the background make future collaborations uh, easier and more likely.
So these ecosystems are complex adaptive systems. All right, the agents can and do adapt to perceived conditions, uh, opportunities, threats. When each agent adapts, they change the conditions for, for all the other agents around them, okay? And so those agents react and then they re react to those agents. And, and so this idea of an adaptation ripples through the network and it's always happening. So there's no, there's no equilibrium state in complex adaptive systems. They are always in this state of adapting and reacting and adapting and reacting and, and so forth. They are nonlinear systems, okay? The, um, and and the, the big thing that means is that you can't use traditional linear analysis methods um, to, uh, to analyze them, okay? It doesn't work. And uh, we talked briefly about emergence. That's a it's a hot topic, but um, uh, you know I think it's based on all of these other things. So, a couple of things to take away about doing analysis with complex adaptive systems: as the logic and the methods and the mathematics, uh, mathematical foundations, uh, they're different than what we're typically used to. Uh, the, the statistics are different. The the, me the measurements are different. Even the foundational math is different. This is based on uh, uh, graph theory, but it's no less valid. Okay, it's just less familiar, and um, uh, but still, uh, people want to try and use the old methods to analyze um, complex adaptive systems, and they'll get answers. Okay, it's you know, put the numbers in, get the numbers out. They'll get answers, but what's the problem is that the results are inconsistent. You'll get one answer in one place, another answer in another place. Um, they're not repeatable. And the results are unreliable because you're, you're either measuring things that are kind of proxies, like you're measuring stuff about the environment, not the, not the actual networks, or you're applying linear methods to a nonlinear system, and um, and that's giving you uh, bad answers. So now that we have some of the introductory ideas behind social network analysis, give us a couple of examples of how you've used it in looking at how innovation ecosystems develop. I'm looking at these graphic representations, which remind me of the Hubble telescope pictures of galaxies with rings of bright dots on a black background. One early project was looking at the Great Lakes manufacturing region, which was kind of all of the states, manufacturing states around the Great Lakes, and then an equal kind of area in Canada. Um, and I was looking at kind of cross-border collaborations and so forth. And what you can see, the growth of different clusters within this, within this region and the, the level of complexity. In many ways, this, these layers that you see um, in each of these, the, the kind of the rings of, of uh, uh, nodes are not exactly, but they're, they are approximate to um, the tiers in the supply chain. The electronics and instruments cluster in the Great Lakes is, is huge and very complex. That's the use of those tools to document what's in place or something that's evolved over time. How can social network analysis be used to answer strategic questions about how to best grow an innovation ecosystem? 
I want to do a quick study that said do accelerators produce better outcomes? And so we had a list of about 77 accelerators uh, that we had data for. And so it took an equal sample of 77 uh, angel investors that were not associated with um, accelerators and, and their networks of uh, companies that they invested in and, uh, and analyzed that. And this data, this data all came from Crunchbase. Um, so when we visualized it, um, one of the things we saw was that many of the accelerators emerged at the central nodes in these, in these clusters. So Techstars and Y Combinator and uh, 500 startups and so forth. Um, and you know, there weren't many independent uh, or, uh, angel investors out of that group that, that were actually central nodes in a cluster. Some of the quantitative analysis, uh, the accelerator subnetwork. So when I say that subnetwork, the whole network is both the accelerator network and the non-accelerator networks altogether. The accelerator subnetwork was eight and a half times larger than the um, uh, non-accelerator network. So, you know, what's the reach? Uh, how many opportunities and how many uh, opportunities for brokerage are available? And that's an important part of what accelerators do is provide opportunities for brokerage. So one of the one of the characteristics of uh, these ecosystems and and really kind of any of these complex systems is that um, the the connections are are not even. They're not it's not proportionate. So. Um, you have some nodes that are really super connectors. Um, you know, Y Combinator. If you want to be connected to somebody who is connected to a lot of people, um, you know, that, that's kind of, that, that's one of the strategies, for example, for building uh, Twitter followers, uh, for example, is you connect to people who are connected to a lot of people and then you, you know, you retweet and do whatever they do uh, to become social uh, influencers. But, you know, so there are there are strategies about you know given a particular network, how do you proceed? The accelerator model um, is more efficient in that it spends less money um, uh, per startup uh, and has a has a, a farther reach. Um, you know, another confounding factor, and it's one of the reasons why I just. I did this at the at the conference and um, uh, didn't push it for um, you know a, a full paper. Um, is that there were a lot of a lot of pieces of the data that we couldn't separate. So you know we could say um, that they raised a, an additional forty one billion out of uh, out of all the startups, but. Um, it was more difficult to separate that out um, between the uh, between different clusters. So, stepping out maybe one level from a specific kind of intervention like that is to think about cluster strategies, uh, things that might include things like incubators, and how might social network analysis work there? I work with the Illinois Science and Technology Coalition on uh, on their science and technology roadmap. And one of the surprises coming out of that was the, the battery cluster and, um, uh, and the fact that Argonne uh, National Lab 
had uh, just recently received a $100 million funding um, to help advance next generation battery technology. And so um, we use network analysis as one of three methods uh, to um, kind of dive into this and we're able to uh, generate some, I think, some good strategies for um, for the state on, uh, particularly around the battery cluster, um, and you know, have the, the the dashboard with the metrics and so forth. One of the things that came out of that study was further um, theory and research, and so one of the visualizations that I had done in the process of coming up with that, where I split the um, the panels between research and industry. And the longer I looked at that, the, the more it looked like the valley of death. And, um, and so if that was the case, what, what would we expect to find in this bridge between the, two, um, between the two clusters? And so what we found was um, uh, kind of exactly what we would expect to find, which is a sponsored corporate sponsored research and uh, uh, the federal labs and, and uh, SBIR type research and so forth. So commercialization, more commercialization research. And so the, you know, the working hypothesis is that regions with denser, more connected bridging components will be characterized by faster innovation sequences and more uh, innovation products, uh, more sequences leading to products. Thanks for listening. Our website blog at agilestrategylab.org includes a post about social network analysis with one of those Hubble-like images that Scott described. The website also describes the tools available to help you in your work with networks. You can also email us through the website. Just look for the Contact Us button. See you next time.